This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Our loved ones and friends in nursing homes are in the spotlight again today. Is the government doing enough to protect them and ensure their well-being? This as Elizabeth Wetlaufer makes another appearance of co- in court. She, of course, is the nurse charged with eight murders of residents in the care homes where she worked in Woodstock and London. And beyond those tragic cases, there were nine homicides in long-term care homes last year, and that would be the result of uh, resident-on-resident violence, a big problem. Uh, there was a coroner's report with detailed recommendations on what to do about this. And uh, our first guest today wants to know why the coroner has to keep making the same recommendations and they don't seem to be being implemented. We, of course, want to hear from you and your experience and your thoughts on this. Uh, So many of us do have loved ones in long-term care homes. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And right now we go to... To France Jelina, the NDP health and long-term care critic. Hello, welcome. Uh, pleased to talk to you, Libby. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it, please uh, bring us up to speed. What are the recommendations in the coroner's report that uh, that you feel are not being acted on? Well, the coroner's publish his report every year. He has this very ungrateful uh, responsibility to investigate suspicious death in long-term care. As you said in your introduction, uh, he, he um, uh, reviewed 35 deaths last year, nine of those being homicide. Uh, for, he made 54 recommendations, but I follow the coroner's report year after year. Year after year, the same recommendations come forward to protect the people in long-term care, to take seriously our responsibility toward their safety. The Ministry of Health needs to increase the number of hands-on care, needs to increase the number of people that can keep them safe in their homes. He, the coroners have been making the same recommendation every single year, and nothing has happened. Uh, what is uh, the current standard for the number of caregivers to patients? This is the worst part of it all. Ontario used to have a minimum standard. It was set at 2.2. In 2007, The Liberal government brought in a new long-term care act, and they said, we're not going to put the minimum standard in the act because it's hard to change the law. Let's put it in regulations. The regulations never came out till 2010, sorry, 2011. In 2011, there were still no minimum standard. And as I speak to you today, 
although there is a huge push to have a minimum standard, there is not. And because it's not in the law, it's not counted anymore. Uh, So we don't know. Well, I heard a different explanation for it that, that that did sound quite a bit like a rationalization. But but let me hear if you've ever heard this. And it was that if they set a minimum standard, then the homes will only put in the minimum number. And uh, they wanted people to perhaps go above and beyond that. Uh, what do you think of that explanation? I don't believe that at all. The homes want to provide good care. The people who, want, who work in nursing home want to provide good care. They are the people who know, and they are here at Queen's Park today lo- lobbying for time to care. That's the name of their lobby, time to care. They want a minimum of four hours of hands-on care. This is not true. People who work in long-term care homes, people who belongs to family council, and people who belongs to resident council all support a minimum of four hours of hands-on care. Per, per, per resident per day? Correct. And, and how does that relate to the 2.2? So it's you, you, the minimum standard was two, 2.2 staff people uh, for, uh, for uh, or one, one, uh, one caregiver for each 2.2 uh, residents, correct? No, it was 2.2 hours of hands-on care. Oh, it was the hours, okay. With the, the minimum standard before. And I would say when we had that minimum standard and we were keeping track, um, the average in Ontario was about at 3.1. So the argument that if you sit a, set a minimum, uh, that that's all they'll get is not true. Because when we used to keep tab and nursing home and long-term care home had to report, although the minimum was set low, uh, the average in Ontario was higher than that. Okay, and uh, there are people who believe that it should be four hours. Uh, Would there be any use in expressing this as a number of caregivers uh, per number of residents, or does it not make a difference? No, you could. You could. Uh, The the standard, and because it was easier to count, used to be uh, focused on the resident rather than focused on the workers. If you say minimum amount of workers, but at the end of the day, you can do the math and find out how many workers you need for how many residents. Uh, but most long-term care patients look at it from where they stand, and they say, you know, like, in order for me to uh, to get up, get dressed, get fed, go to the washroom, uh, transfer into a, uh, a wheelchair, uh, do it all in reverse at night, be fed three times a day, etc., it will take about four hours of hands-on care. So they look at it through their their eyes, and frankly, they, they are... They don't really care how many people it needs to do this. They just want to make sure that they get the care they need. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so that's one of the things. Now, uh, we know that uh, one of the unfortunate problems in long-term care homes, you have a lot of people there with dementia, uh, and there is an issue of violence. Um, what recommendations need to be implemented to minimize that or to deal with that? There are many recommendations. The number one is don't rush people. Uh, Elderly people do not like to be rushed when a PSW has to get six or or seven people up within an hour. Um, They have not much choice but to rush them, and people don't like to be rushed. 
They like to take their time when they transfer. They like to take their time when, when they do have a shower or whatever else. And most workers, in order to do their, their caseload, will rush them. So first, um, don't rush people. Take a little bit more time with them and you will do better. Second is look at other models. Maybe the institution, some call them warehouses, type of uh, long-term care homes. Maybe we should look at uh, what exists in Western Europe, where they do not have big long-term care homes like we do, uh, where people with dementia are kept in, in community, in, in basically places that, that feels, that looks like, that smells like their home, um, and like a regular home, and it tends to bring down the stress level and the aggressivity that comes with it. Uh, so there are a number of recommendations, but the big one is um, make sure that the staff don't rush them and has the time to answer to their needs. Okay, uh, let's take a phone call from Barbara in Hamilton. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Oh, I'm not bad. Pretty good. I just want to. I was listening to your guests there, and she does have some excellent ideas. But I, I don't know who and for. I now I've been out of the homes, uh, out of the career for quite a uh, about three, four years now. So I don't know what goes on now, but I know when I was working there on every floor that these people were mostly total care and they needed a lot of help. And um, you had an hour in the morning to get people up and into bed, uh, out of bed and into breakfast. And uh, you had to do everything, you know, brush your teeth. If you could take them to the toilet, you could, if, uh, you know. But there was two staff for 13 residents. Now, tell me how you could get all that done properly. I, you can't, I don't believe, I didn't believe in rushing people back then. But then, you know, they kept doing this. And we said, what are we going to stop doing there was toileting not being done. There was, um, you know, like you said, rush the middle and out of the bath. And that's when people get apprehensive. And um, they don't know from our perspective what's happening. You need to take the time to explain to them what you're going to do. And, yeah, demented patients, after a while you get to know them when you're working with them. And know what they're like. And you need to talk to families and things like that, you know, will really help. But there's no way you can do proper total care on 13 residents, and most of them are total care. You're leaving something out. They don't get for a rest in the afternoon. They have to sit in their wheelchair all day. Yep. And they say these cushions help them. Well, you know what? When you're thin and you're demaciated, those cushions, you just want to get off of your little OBT and is positioned in the bed for an hour or two. Okay, Barbara. Yeah, that, those are all very good points. Uh, just, uh, were you in a, in a, in a government uh, facility or in a private facility? Uh, government. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, it Barbara. Was, yes. Thanks for your call. 
Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. So what Barbara has said uh, was there four years ago, and it's still pretty much exactly the same. Most new units are 32 beds, 32 residents, and they will be on day shift about four workers. So I'll let you do the math. Every worker is responsible for eight residents. They tend to work two by two if they have a transfer to be made. So two uh, PSW will be responsible for 16 residents. Once you hit uh, the evening shift and the night shift, at night shift there's often only one uh, that covers all 32 residents till the next morning when the day shift arrive. Uh, things have not gone any better than when she was there. And yes, it is, uh, you go through the morning routine as fast as you can so that people get there to breakfast before breakfast is cold. Um, a, a different question, uh, France. Um what about the patient-on-patient violence? What has to be done about that? Well, most of, most of those types of incidents happen when there's lack of supervision. So the PSW will be busy in a room assisting one of the residents, and then another resident will go for a walk, enter a wrong room, and, and, then, uh, and then violence will come out. Um, if you le- read the uh, chief coroner's report, he gives you the blow-by-blow blow of the demise of some of those residents, and it's just, don't read that at night. You'll have nightmare, I guarantee you. Um, so it happens when people who needed supervisions, we knew uh, that they were mobile, they could walk, they were still strong. Of course, most of the victims are women, and uh, same with the homicide. Six were women, three were men. Uh, they're men often with uh, dementia. Uh, they're still big, they're still strong, and they're surrounded by frail elderly people. It is pretty easy for them to do damage if they're not appropriately supervised. And there again, there is not enough staff to offer the level of supervision that keeps them safe and the people around them safe. Uh, should uh, violent patients, patients known to be violent, should, should they be segregated um, in certain areas? They are supposed to. Uh, they are uh, what we call secure unit, and usually um, violent uh, behavior patients are brought to those units where uh, they can be uh, more more close, closely monitored. Well, what my my experience with it is that basically all um, people with advanced dementia were in a secure unit. Just meant that you know it was locked. Uh, not necessarily. No, usually as soon as they're not mobile anymore, uh, they go back. To, uh, uh, to one of the regular floor, and uh, they tend to keep the one in secure unit that have a risk of flight, so they could leave the place and we would lose them, uh, but also risk of violence. Uh, so they, uh, they're called behavior support unit, and uh, they're usually uh, a locked unit so that uh, people are kept there. Uh, but you have to realize that 50% of the people in our long-term care homes have a diagnostic of dementia, and up to 80% of them have some symptoms of dementia. Uh, so they, they, uh, everywhere on every, on every floor and every unit, you will have some people um, dealing with dementia. So uh, just before we go, because we are running out of time, if, if it all comes down to staffing, is, is there a number on this of how much it would cost? 
how much it would cost. Yes. The uh, government already invests about $3.5 billion in a long-term care home. A lot of this money uh, goes to for-profit entity. Uh, the Auditor General did a very revealing report on that. Uh, I would say, uh, sure, it would. we would need more money to get to four hours of hands-on care, but we could also have a more serious look as to do we really want to put profit ahead of patient care? Okay. Um, Francielina, thank you very much for your insight. Um, very interesting and something that we should all be aware of. I appreciate it very much. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Libby. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.